Well, good morning, guys. My name is Mike, and I am the uh, the lead pastor here at the the Brigham campus. And you know, um, Tim said in that uh, in those announcement uh, in those announcements, he said that we do VBS um, or or you know kids church every year. Apparently, he was out of town for that whole COVID thing. You know. Um, it's easy to miss, but we haven't done it for a couple of years, so it's actually really exciting that we're going to do this again. We're we're really excited to be able to do that, and like he said, we are going to, you know, we're going to turn this place into the Jerusalem Market for a couple of weeks. So when you come to church, it's going to be a little weird. It's going to look like you know Jerusalem Market here and in the lobby and and uh, stuff like that. And maybe I'll stand up here with a cane. I don't know, you know, something like that, a staff or whatever. No, I won't do that. But um, but anyway, it really will be exciting. So. Uh, you know, and the reason why that's exciting is because we want to be able to influence that, that, that community out there, right? That, that community out there that needs to hear um, about Jesus, and they need to be shown that there is a Jesus way um, of doing life. And that's our sermon series that we're in right now. We're in week two of this sermon series called The Jesus Way. And uh, if you were here with us last week, then you will, you'll know um, that, that, what we're doing is we're studying this, this part in Matthew 5. Uh, these are called the six antitheses of Jesus. And really what's going on here is, well, first of all, an antithesis is it's a, it's a opposition or it's contrast um, to a, a topic, to, between two, two things. And so in this case, Jesus is adding contrast to draw out our deeper understanding of things, um, of these six specific topics um, that, that, you know, people knew very well. And he's basically saying that you, well, I'm on the wrong slide on this. He, he's basically saying, you, you know, you know things this way. You've heard things this way, but I'm telling you things this way. And he's speaking to people, to a culture who have grown up hearing and reading um, these laws their whole lives. Their entire government system is built around these laws. And, you know, as he's making these What's going on here? There we go. As he's, as he's making these um, explanations, he's demonstrating to all of these studiers of the Old Testament, these people who have grown up in this culture, he's, he's demonstrating to them that the entire Bible points forward to Jesus. Everything that they had ever read and, and learned points forward to Jesus. Now in doing this, he's kind of He's, he's blowing their minds here because they're the experts on the law, right? They don't recognize him as having, having any education or, or authority. They're bothered by what he's saying because it seems so offensive to uh, the way they believe things to be. And I think this is why this sermon series is so important to us as well. Because what he says is offensive to the way uh, that many of us believe things to be also. Like how often do we hear the suggestion that the Bible is outdated, right? You guys have probably heard that. I know I've heard that, that it, that it was written in a different time and a different culture for, for a different kind of people or whatever. Um, and that's just simply not true. It, stands, it, it withstands the, the test of time. So parents, this message is definitely uh, for you, right? I'm speaking to you, to all of the adults. Um, but parents, it's also very much a lesson that you need to take home to your teens and your young adults uh, living in your home, right? And so this sermon series today is, or series title, the sermon title is called Radical Purity. So we're talking about far-reaching, thorough 
purity, extensive purity, the way that the Bible calls us to be. And we'll see here that, that sexual sin, we got, guys, we know sexual sin is nothing new, okay? Um, but in today's hypersexual culture, uh, we have something to learn from these timeless teachings of Jesus. And so this passage that we're going to focus on today, we'll read this a few times, is Matthew 5, 27 and 28. And it says, you've heard the commandment that says, you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, adultery can be, can be defined as voluntary sexual activity between a married person and a, and a person who is not his or her spouse. Okay, but it also talks about lust and, and lust is a very strong sexual desire. So now, if the biblical definition of marriage is a union between one man and one woman, which it clearly is biblically, then, then sexual sin would be sexual activity that exists outside of that biblical boundary. In fact, anything outside the, the boundary of, of one man married to one woman, including lust, would be categorized as sexual sin. So our first point today here is that adultery is just the tip of the iceberg for lust. And it's all rooted in seeing people as objects, whereas purity allows for the true admiration of another person, seeing them the way that Jesus sees them, with value the way that Jesus values them. And so, you know, we'll, we'll probably, we'll look at this, um, this, this iceberg analogy we started last week. We'll look at this throughout the series, as Jesus really seems to be telling us that there's far more to these, to these issues than just face value. So on this particular one, you could say that you could say that adultery is the visible part of this sin iceberg, but lust is that great big dangerous unseen uh, part floating beneath the surface there. <clears throat> so why are these clarifications that Jesus is making? Why are these antitheses from him so important? Well, they're important because you know, if we read these, these Old Testament laws, uh, if we read them and take them literally, we can get pretty pompous, right? We can get self-righteous. I can tell you categorically um, that I have, that I have uh, never committed adultery. But Jesus says, hang on, Mike, hang on, right, one second. See, by his measuring stick of, of looking at a woman with lust, I can't, I can't hold on to that claim anymore. See, the way that Jesus is, in, uh, you know, his interpreting or, or his, his re-explaining these things makes us all guilty. And that's the intention of the law, to show the whole world guilty, to remind us that we cannot come to God on our own righteousness. Now, in the expositor's uh, Bible commentary, up here it says, the Old Testament command not to commit adultery is often treated in Jewish sources not so much as a function of purity as it is of theft. It was to steal another man's wife, adultery was. And Jesus insisted that the seventh commandment points in another direction toward purity that refuses even to lust after any woman. So 3,000 years ago, women were objectified. They were treated as, as property not as people. But I got to ask, is, objectif is uh, objectifying women today any different? But 
Not for one second can we even suggest though that only women can be lusted after and objectified, right? This is for everybody in, in the room, right? We need to remember that. And the fact is we're objectifying someone if we have any type of sexualized relationship with them that is outside the relationship it was intended to have by its creator. We are denying the selflessness that is involved in a true loving relationship. Whereas, like I said before, purity allows for the true admiration of another person. Seeing someone through the eyes of a God who would send his own son to the cross for reconciliation with. And when we refuse to follow the outline that God created, we can see a path that it is going to take. And that's our second point here is that sexual sin follows a predictable pattern. And it's a pattern that's been effectively uh, destructive for thousands of years. And ultimately it leads to death. And here's how. First, it's our eyes that lead us to sin. And, and here's this, this passage again, and we're gonna look at it continuously. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now guys, let me clarify something here. This is important. This doesn't mean that noticing beauty is sinful, okay? It's, it's that second glance. It's that lingering look where we start to have problems, where it starts to become sinful, so in Proverbs 4:25 it says look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you mark out a straight path for your feet stay on the safe path don't get sidetracked keep your feet from following evil guys we can stay vigilant by knowing that when we take our eyes off of God we can get sidetracked very easily <clears throat> Now there's this passage in Numbers 15 that says Throughout the generations to come, you must make tassels for the hems of your clothing and attach them with a blue cord. When you see the tassels, you will remember and obey all the commands of the Lord instead of following your own desires and defiling yourselves as you are prone to do. Some of you guys forgot your blue tassels. How, how, how come we're not wearing our blue tassels? Well, listen, this is, you know, this is an interesting uh, thought here. And, and as I was reading that, I was reminded of of a passage in Deuteronomy 6. I think it's Deuteronomy 6, verse 8, uh, that talks about binding God's word on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. Okay, now now frontlets are, are like, again, it's like a, a headband with little tassels that are in, in front of your eyes. Um, and the idea behind that is that as you look at the world, you're looking through and beyond these, these things that are, that are hanging there to remind you that God has a certain way of doing things. Now, for me in my life, um, when I read that, I really felt like that was good advice. I felt like I wanted to have and I needed to have that reminder all the time. And so uh, I went out and got a tattoo on my, on my wrist um, with a cross and, and, and a, the ichthys, the, the fish. Um, and I got that there. And then all of my arm has, you know, tattoo, you probably you know, I don't know if or not, but, but it's, it's all about my faith. And the reason I did that was because I wanted to have that reminder in front of me all the time. And I, and, and I wanted to, I wanted to be uh, reminded that there was a, a Jesus way of doing things. And I, and I wanted to have that front and center. Now it doesn't change, that, that doesn't make me live a clean life, 
right? I have to have a change about me in my heart. But it's that reminder that is kind of effective um, in, in, in helping me go, oh yeah, that's right. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be like, like the world. Now, I'm not saying that you guys need to go run out and, and get your tattoo, you know, this week. Um, wait, till, wait till next month and get it, you know, but, but uh, that way you can plan it out. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, one of the other pastors shared this. He ha- I don't know if he had these made or if he bought them or, or not, but it, he has these, these bracelets, kind of like the what, uh, what Would Jesus Do uh, bracelets that were popular a while back, right? And on the backside, it's got this verse that says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. And I just feel like, you know, these aren't a perfect stopgap, right? They're not intended to be that. But it makes a, a point that first... It's our eyes, right, that, that lead us down this, this path. But the heart is next. And so again, if we look at our, at our verse here in Matthew 5, 28, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So in the, in the pillar uh, New Testament commentary, it says, the heart is the center of a person's life and may denote thought, emotions, and will. So Jesus is saying that the person who lusts has committed adultery in the very center of his being. Now, I think that the the heart, I think that our, our hearts could be described as the rudder of a ship, right? A lot of outside force can influence the direction of the ship the direction the ship goes, but not as much as the rudder. It, uh, it affects our thoughts and our feelings and our desires. And so if we compare that analogy with what Jesus is saying, that a person who, who lusts has already committed adultery, then we can see that that lust has become a driving force in our lives. And guys, this danger is not something to take lightly. In fact, I think I have this one on a slide. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. I mean, guys, how many of us put more attention on, on being secure in other places in our life other than, other than our heart? See, Satan doesn't just attack you with a single well-placed you know, strategic assault. He's not a sniper going for one shot Instead, he launches random and continuous shots at you all day, every day, knowing that an unguarded heart will eventually let an arrow through. Now, uh, somebody in our, in our church congregation shared uh, this week that, that she had received um, random, unsolicited uh, nude photos on, on, her, on her phone and from somebody she doesn't know, from a number she doesn't know, right? Um, and, and I thought, wow, what an example of this. Like, you're just sitting there, right? And, and, and uh, your phone beeps and you check it and there's this thing. Maybe you've struggled with this throughout your life and maybe you're on a, on a pretty good path and you're doing really well because you've shut out some of these other influences and then bing, it, your phone beeps and there's a link right there. And how, how tempting that is to, could be to somebody, right? That, the danger is all the time. So we have to, we have to guard our, our hearts. The condition of our heart is crucial. It's at the core of our lives going either the Jesus way or the world's way. Because if we point our rudder at Jesus, the ship will follow. 
If we don't, though, if we let the world influence us uh, and influence the direction of our heart, um, you know, pretty soon our our uh, our actions will will follow. In fact, um, that arrow that that Satan is launching at us will get through. Right? Again, Matthew five twenty eight. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. <clears throat> when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. James uh, 1.15 says this. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. As I said before, guys, it's a predictable pattern here and one that mankind has been falling for since the very beginning. And if you've been with us for more than just a couple of, of you know, uh, sermon messages over the last several months, you'll have heard often um, that we say that our heart condition matters to Jesus. He is after our hearts. And so that means that he doesn't want us to sit idly by waiting for our hearts to be attacked. And so that brings us to our third point here, which is that Jesus taught us to radically eliminate the threat. Now, uh, in, in, in a world that I used to belong to, the world of gunfights and, and tactics, um, when, when attacked, an effective means of gaining the upper hand is the idea of a counter ambush, okay? Bear with me for a minute. Or immediate recognition, reaction, and response against that ambush. So we recognize the threat by understanding that Satan is the God of the world and the world is continuously on the attack and you are not impervious to attack, okay? It doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter what your standing in, in the community out there is. It doesn't matter what your standing is in the, in, the, in the church here, okay? You are not impervious to attack. You are a target. I am a target. Then we react to the threat by being honest about what is dangerous. Guys, let me just tell you, your porn habit is steering you into dangerous waters. Now, if that's you, I'd be happy to have a, a private conversation one day with you guys um, and explain how uh, human trafficking, the human trafficking that you are up in arms about on social media and in the world because you, you see this as a big problem, I would, I would be happy to have that conversation with you and how human trafficking starts with your pornography use. Porn is not voluntary. It is not women empowering, despite the fact that that's what our culture tries to tell us. Even using it within the confines of marriage is sinful and dangerous. Let's be honest about this too. Your work wife or your work spouse is dangerous. Now some of you might, might not understand what a work wife is, um, it means a coworker whose close proximity and frequent interaction leads them to be uh, your primary opposite sex companion at work. <clears throat> now, it's dangerous because it might start off by, by sharing family vacation pics, right? Stories from, from the weekend. But they can quickly become your confidant about troubles at home or criticisms about your actual spouse, well, let's be honest about this too. If you are in a relationship and you frequent places that are designed to introduce relationships like parties, like bars, like dating websites, 
then you are entering into a place where other people may very well assume that you are there for that reason. Even if you have convinced yourself that that's not the case, and that is very dangerous. All right, now, finally, we respond to the threat by counterattacking, like I said. We counterattack by cutting off temptation triggers, right? And guys, we have, to be, we have to be intentional about this. It's time to delete some of those troublesome apps on your phone, right? Now, if this is you, and you think that there's, a, that there's a defense for it, come, let's have a talk. Let's make the case why TikTok or Snapchat benefits your marriage, and then we'll talk. But I'll bet that it probably doesn't. Or change, stop, uh, don't watch the movies with, a certain, with certain themes. Sometimes maybe we just need to get rid of that, you know, uh, that subscription because we know this is a dangerous place for me. And stop hanging out those temptation-filled places like bars and parties. Guys, we have got to be serious. We have to be serious about making these changes in our lives. And I'll tell you why. We can see how serious Jesus is about making these changes here in this passage. In Matthew 5, 29 through 30, it says, So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now guys, <clears throat> I do not want to see on the news that you cut your hand off. This is God, Jesus is not being literally, he's not expecting a whole bunch of handless people, right? What he's saying here is he's talking about the seriousness with which this, this exists in our life. Guys, sexual sin is very, very dangerous. We all know people who have experienced terrible things come about in their life because of sexual sin that might have started innocently enough, right? But, but very quickly, there was no control of it. And, it. and it imparted itself into all of their lives. Very, very dangerous, guys. And Jesus was, was serious about this. He does not want this to take root in our life. He's obviously serious about it. And we should be serious about it too. But how? Well, this sounds cliche from the pastor standing up here, right? But by replacing those temptations with things of God. Now, we've seen this before in, a, in another sermon series. We've seen something like this, this trifecta for Christian living. First, we start off with, with God's word, right? We should be in God's word on a regular basis. That passage that I shared uh, out of Deuteronomy, it was talking about you know, having God's word in front of you all the time. We should be in it, you know, first thing in the morning and before we go to bed and throughout the day, we should be in prayer continuously. And that's the second one. God's spirit is the second part of this trifecta, right? So we, we communicate to God through our prayer and he communicates to us through his word. That's why these things are important, okay? This, these aren't things that we should, that we want to shirk, right? We want to be in these a lot. These need to be important parts of our life. But this third one is also very important here. <clears throat> and we have a tendency sometimes to minimize this. 
But God's people is the other part of this trifecta, to add community and accountability to our lives. Maybe that's talking about these struggles with a friend or with a, a mentor or with your spouse, right? Or, or in a small group. But you know, oftentimes we hear people who say something about, I don't, need, I don't need to go to church in order to have a relationship with God. If you really truly had a relationship with God, you would hear him when he says, go to church and be part of the community because it is an, a vital part of experiencing the Jesus way. See, truly eliminating the threat of sexual sin involves retraining our heart to think new thoughts and to cultivate new desires. So guys, as we, as we close here today, I'm gonna have to cut this short because my voice is very strained. I wanna go through uh, one last thing here in, in Colossians. In Colossians 3, verses one through three, it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So guys, if you are a Christ follower, if you've been raised to this new life in Jesus, you've died to this world's life, right? It's, it, 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 it doesn't, that sexual sin in your life doesn't have to hold you anymore. There is freedom from it. Your relationships don't need to be clouded with darkness because there is a light. You guys don't have to keep going the world's way. It's never done you any good anyways, right? Let's start doing things the Jesus way and experience life the way that he intends us to. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, Lord, I, I know that um, you know as we as we get clarity on these on these topics throughout this series. Maybe just in this one today, Lord, I know that there will be a part of some of us that pushes back, and we want to justify sin in our life. We want to we want to um, maybe minimize the danger of it, and yet, Lord, you have made it very clear to us that it is problematic and it is dangerous to allow this in even a little bit. We know that that, that that arrow can pierce those gaps in our armor if we're not careful, that we need to guard our hearts. And so Lord, as we, as we leave here, Lord, I ask that if, you know, if there is conviction on our hearts, if we're feeling as though this, this message was talking to us uh, individually, Lord, just, I ask that you would help us to, to, to maybe break out of that thing of, of keeping this, this struggle private and, and that we would trust and have conversations with our loved ones and that they would be willing to hear us and be helpful to us as we seek out that, that accountability, that this wouldn't be a, a place of contention, but they would be able to be somebody that's a resource in our life. Lord, as we, as we seek that accountability to get back on track to living the Jesus way and not living the world's way. So that's my prayer, Lord, that we would be able to have this, this sin, whether it's this sexual sin or if it's, if it's something else, rooted out in our life and brought out in the open so that we can, we can address it, so we can discard it, so we can repent from it, and so that we can start going the Jesus way in our life. 
Lord, that's our prayer. We love you. We say this in Jesus' name.